to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back again to the podcast. It's Wednesday, which means it's Worship Wednesday. And uh, these are some of my favorite episodes to do. Obviously, as you know, I love the subject of worship. And um, I've been doing it for such a long time in my life that um, it has really become one of the things I love uh, more than anything else. And I'll tell you, uh, there's something that accompanies praise and worship that you can't get anywhere else or by any other means. Uh, It's God's prescribed way in the Bible to access his presence. And um, I love the subject of praise and worship. And as you know, we launched um, last year Worship Summit, our conference. And um, it was so wonderful to see other people who have a love at that level for praise and worship uh, as we do. And we're doing it again coming up this year, May 7th through the 10th of 2019. We want to see you there. If you've got not gotten a chance to check the information out on that yet, head over to southeastworship.com and uh, check it out. I know it's going to be a massive blessing to you. We want to see you there. It's free, 18 free sessions, uh, as well as two VIP sessions if you'd like to be a part of those uh, behind-the-scenes teachings that we're going to do. And uh, we're providing a, a lunch as well, and that's only $99, and you get two sessions and two lunches and two sets of teachings and questions and answer sessions as well uh, that's not available to the rest of the public at the conference. So it's going to be awesome. Our live recording on the Friday night is going to be phenomenal. I can't wait to do that. So we want to see you there. It's going to be a great event, May the 7th through the 10th. Head over to the website, check it out, get the information, and register. Bring your team and uh, join us. It's going to be phenomenal. Today, I wanted to give you three what I would call success secrets that I wish every worship leader knew. You know, having done this for 20 years of my life now, um, you know, I've learned a couple of things over that time. And uh, today I just want to talk quickly about three things that I really wish every worship leader knew. I've been to so many churches. I'd say if I haven't been to thousands of churches, I've been to close to that number because I've traveled my entire life since I was two weeks old with my mother and father who are evangelists. And now that I'm operating as an evangelist, I'm still traveling full time um, every year, hundreds of nights. So I've been to so many churches and seen so many things that you start to notice things after a while and you start to notice, notice what works and you start to notice what doesn't work. You notice what lines up with the word of God and what does not line up with the word of God. And um, you start to understand why certain situations are successful and why certain situations fail miserably. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today is these three things, they're not necessarily comprehensive. And I'm sure if I got to sit, sit down for two, three hours with a group of worship leaders, as we're going to do in May, I would have um, much, much more to say. But these three things have really been on my heart. 
And so I want to share them with all of you that are listening. Maybe you're not even a worship leader, but I know that these will help you even in your personal life of worship. So I want to jump right in because these are so, so important. I would say that these are kind of life and death keys in the arena of worship. And uh, you'll see from the word of God what I mean um, as I'm saying this. But if you're taking notes, I'd like you to write these down. Uh, if you have questions on them, please let me know. And uh, do me a favor and share this on social media today and let some people know. Maybe even share it privately through a Facebook Messenger or a direct message on Instagram to somebody that you know is involved with leading worship or part of a worship team. I know it's going to be a great asset to them as well. Number one, the first thing I really want to talk about today is that God has a system that he has created that we can't override. Uh, And I always say it like this. If you've listened to this podcast for any period of time, you may have heard me mention this before. But number one, sufficient praise has to precede worship. Sufficient praise has to precede worship. What do I mean by that? Well, we're not even qualified to worship God until we have sufficiently praised him. And, you know, God has an order in scripture of how he does things or how he wants to be approached. And we see this example from the Old Testament layout of the temple. And you had three areas, what they called the outer court, the inner court, and then the holy of holies. So there was the outer court, then the holy place, then the most holy place. And when you see how God desires to be approached, you'll see that there are layers that we come in through. And it's not because God changes, it's because we need to change. And so you've heard the scripture before where the Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. This is a a really a secret for us to get a hold of is that God's system that he has set up cannot be altered. So the first thing that we have to get involved with is thanksgiving, thanksgiving. And then once we move on from thanksgiving, we've got to move into praise. We go from thanksgiving into praise. And then finally, and these all line up, by the way, with the way the temple was outer courts, Thanksgiving, inner courts or holy place, praise. And then the most holy place represents worship. So you understand you can't just jump straight into the most holy place, but that there's an avenue to get there. And uh, I find it very interesting because to come into the gates, you've got to have Thanksgiving, the Bible says. Come into his gates with Thanksgiving. So the first thing you need to see about point one is that thanksgiving gives you access to God. Thanksgiving lets you in the door. Thanksgiving gives you access to the presence of God. So we start by thanking God. We start by thanking him for what he's already done, for who he is, and we thank him for what he's going to do. So thanksgiving has to be number one. And as you're a praise and worship leader, you're involved in worship, there's got to be an atmosphere of thanksgiving and uh, and gratitude in your services and among your team. You know, we can't have complaining, you know, 
uh, you know, these attitudes that uh, promote really division. And I've seen that a lot, you know, where you have people who, you know, you come in and everybody's on a different wavelength with their attitude. Some people have had a bad week, so they come in nasty. Some some people are happy. Some people are disconnected thinking about other things. You've got to snap that all together into unity by cultivating an atmosphere of thanksgiving, a thankful, you know, heart of gratitude will snap it all together and it positions you to get in to the presence of God. Thanksgiving lets you in. And then praise is the time when you give God something. This is huge. Praise is the time where you give God something. The Bible says that we give a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of praise. In fact, if you study the um, the temple that I'm referencing here, the holy place or where they would come in is where they would bring their sacrifices and that's where they would sacrifice to the Lord is that inner court. You'd bring it in and uh, one of the passages that we have in the book of Psalms, we are encouraged to bind our sacrifice to the altar. And obviously, you know, if they were bringing animals into the temple to sacrifice animals, you know, once all those animals are, you know, there's, there's like sounds of panic from the animals. Some animals are screaming, you know, you it, it's think about how it really was back then. I mean, that's how it was as animals were being sacrificed. Well, that's obviously going to spook the animals and they're going to want to try to get away. But the book of Psalms says that you're to bind your sacrifice uh, to the altar You know, you tie your sacrifice to the altar. Why? Because no matter what it is that you're called to give God, the enemy will always try to allow you to let that thing get away so that you don't give it to God. There will always be a reason not to praise God. You know, as far as in your natural mind, there'll always, well, I'm tired. You know, I had a long week. I just, you know, I've been, I've come down with, I don't feel good. I don't know if this is really my time to... I don't, I don't, I don't really want to go to church today. I don't want to praise today. I'm just going to kind of sit down through the worship service. The enemy will give you every reason in your mind to not praise God, but praise is the time when you give God something, you give him a sacrifice of praise. You take what is yours and you give it to him. And then worship is the time when he gives you something. The priest was the only one allowed to go into the most holy place and he would go in behind those curtains and imagine this, that he was allowed and only him. And there was a system and there was a way that he had to do it. You couldn't just be running in there anytime you wanted to. There was a way to go in, but understand that he was not qualified to just run in whenever he wanted. He had to do it God's way. And this is one of the mistakes that I see take place in church services across America, especially now. It didn't be, it didn't used to be this way as much, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, but now more than ever, I see this problem is that in our praise and worship services, um, we don't really have praise and worship services anymore. We have worship services. In fact, people are, they say that that's actually something that we say, you know, this is our 9 a.m. worship service. This is our worship, you know, and we've cut praise out. And it's a massive mistake because you're not qualified to worship God until you've sufficiently praised him. 
and thanked him. So sticking with God's system, you have to do it God's way. And you have to thank him first, and then you give him something by praising him. And then in return, he gives you something during that time of worship. It's a two-way street. You're giving to God, and then he's depositing into you. The book of James tells us that if we'll draw near unto God, God will draw near unto us. So this is a time in church, and, and here's the problem, is that you've got people that come in um, from their week to church, and you know I've been in so many church services where praise is kind of like cut out of the service. It's not, you know, praise songs are not done anymore. It, I've been to so many churches where they start with slow worship songs. And it's a big mistake because we're not ready to be there. We're not ready to jump into that. I've told you the story before about how I made that mistake back when I was traveling back and forth from West Virginia to Virginia. And I I used to have to drive about seven to seven and a half hours down and then seven to seven and a half hours back every weekend uh, as I was helping my uncle plant the church in Virginia Beach. And one of the mistakes I made that he took the time to correct me on was that as I was driving those seven hours, I would go through these three steps while I'm on my trip. You know, I'd be thanking God, praying in tongues, praising God in the car, listening to praise music, and then going into times of worship. My spirit was in tune with God's spirit. And I can remember I got there um, to the service one Friday night to do the Friday night service. And I had been doing this for seven hours, you know, just going at it. And I came in to the church service, got on the keyboard and uh, to start the service. And I just had everybody lift their hands. I might've even had everybody come around the altar. I can't remember, but I started the service with worship. And uh, I mean, it was just a bomb. You could tell that it just didn't flow. Something was wrong. And my uncle took the time to explain to me afterwards that you can't just take people cold right into worship. There's a system. God has a way. Thanksgiving, enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. You have to do it in God's way. And we have so many services nowadays where we've missed the element of praise. And see, praise is powerful. As Bishop Oyedepo says, you know, prayer is a wonderful thing. God answers our prayers, but God lives in our praise. And prayer and no other thing can match the power and potency of praise. And so you need to understand that praise carries a breakthrough power. Praise carries a breakthrough power. In the New Testament, I could point you um, to example after example, for example, Mark chapter 10 with blind Bartimaeus. I mean, there's example after example of when praise is released, it provokes God into action. Praise always provokes God into action. You can look at the story in second Chronicles 2020. They had three armies coming against one of God's armies. They had united to destroy God's people and they made sure that the people who were going to praise God went out in battle first, far ahead of all the other soldiers and, and warriors. And they began to praise God with instruments and sing. And as they did, it provoked God to action. And he went ahead of them and destroyed their enemies for them. Praise provokes God to action. And it must be done. We've got to sufficient. It's a pre, so think of it this way. It's a prerequisite. 
just like if you're in high school and you, you know, you can't take algebra two if you've not taken algebra one. You can't take algebra two if you've not taken algebra one. And worship is the next level. So you cannot get there unless you've completed the prerequisite of praise and thanksgiving. So I wish you know, I could really take the time and I'm, that's why we're doing things like the conference and this podcast to, to let people understand, you know, miracles take place. God is provoked to action when we praise him, when we praise him, you know, our flesh doesn't want to praise him. We don't feel like praising him many times, but we don't go by how we feel. We go by what the word of God tells us to do. And number one, sufficient praise must precede worship. We've got to praise God first. I understand, you know, and that's why we're in this time. It's a trend, you know, this, this, uh, this deep worship, you know, in, in the form that it is now, we, you know, it didn't used to be like this 15, even 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, really this like deep brooding worship and not all of it's anointed. I'm going to be honest with you. Not all of it is anointed. There's some of it that is very soulish. You know, it's more about engaging the soul than it is the spirit. And you can tell that by the lyrics. You can tell that by the lack of word content or the fact that the songs don't even line up with God's word. So if you're singing these worship songs that are really uh, activating everybody's soul realm, um, people are crying and, you know, and it's not a spiritual thing. It's not a, and you know, it's not spiritual because it doesn't, it's, it doesn't line up with God's word. It's not congruent to scripture. Uh, some of it even contradicts God's word. Then you know God's not the one who's in this because he doesn't go against his own word. Uh, and it's dangerous to to get into stuff that's not spiritual and then spend a lot of time satisfying your soul because your soul will trick you into making wrong decisions. It's the spirit man that must lead the way. So we have to remember that God has a way that he wants to have things done, and we have to conform to his prescribed method if we're going to see the anointing in our lives and in our ministries. So number one, sufficient praise must precede worship. Number two, I wish I could tell every worship leader this. You need to start, you know, thinking of this as you're leading worship, that there are probably unsaved people in the room while you're leading praise and worship. There are probably unsaved people in the room. You say, what does that mean? It means that you need to conduct yourself like you're not just talking to people that have been to church for 20 years, especially as we're trying to form our churches and create churches that are uh, engaged in evangelism, where we're in, encouraging people to bring their unsaved friends and family members to be saved. Some of them have never been to church in their life, uh, and and they don't understand this like clicky, um, you know, inside jargon. You know, people. And and the thing is, I have no problem. I'm not talking about what like um, some of these guys that are you know, trying to be seeker sensitive, tell you not to say, I have no problem talking about the blood of Jesus. You know, some of them be like, you know, don't, you've got visitors there. Don't talk about the blood or don't say things like, are you washed in the blood? Because that'll freak people out and they'll think, man, do they wash people in blood in the church? No, I'm not talking about the seeker sensitive stuff, 
but I'm just talking about, you know, we get so comfortable being in this church culture that, uh, you know, we, we start to, the way we talk to each other, it's, it's almost like we're assuming that everybody in the service has been in church their entire life. And many people may not be. You may look across the crowd and realize I've got people in here today that maybe this is their first time at church. And you need to keep that in mind as you're ministering, you know, as you're explaining what we're doing, giving sufficient scriptural basis for what we're doing. If you listen to a previous podcast um, that I did on Worship Wednesday, I talked about the fact that uh, studying God's word is so important because it gives you something scriptural to say as you're encouraging and exhorting people uh, between songs and as you're transitioning. You know, we've got to keep in our minds that the the unsaved people who are in the room do not have the same experience we have in church or with the presence of God. And it's okay to do things in a way that's going to bring them into the kingdom that should be done. You know, I've uh, some of these songs, like there's things I won't even sing. There's stuff that I won't even say because, you know, I don't even, it's so funny to try to even explain this to you because it's like, we get it because we've been in church or we've been Christians or we we may have a, a revelation of God's word. And I think one of the dangerous things that happens is that because people have been in church for so long, you know, those that are giving us new things, it's almost like we try to get the newest, most edgy way of saying something or doing something so that people who have been around this for a long time, like, Ooh, that's something new. That's something exciting. I get that. You know, like, but you know, when you're talking to somebody who's never been to church, you know, we're out on this like tangent of something that we've tried to modify to keep impressing people who have been in church forever. It just goes over their head. They don't know. You know, nobody knows what it means to be drowning in grace. You know what I mean? It's like n- nobody knows what that means. Like you got unsafe people sitting in the in the crowd and you're, you're like singing or, or like talking and encouraging and exhorting on drowning in grace. Like nobody, what does that even mean? You know, this is what I'm talking about. We have these like clicky phrases and, you know, we we have these like Christian colloquialisms that we've put together. You know, and we get so, it, and it, it starts to get weird. It's like, I remember talking about a song that we used to do back in like the late nineties and the early thousands. And there was this song about, you know, you have to be very careful, you know, when you're, when you're starting to get into songs about like intimacy with God, because first of all, if someone who, who is soulish has written the song, you know, it could basically be an R and B song, but instead of girl, you just put in Jesus and it's like, you know, it gets very weird. Uh, and I always think to myself, like, as I'm preaching and I look across the crowd and I'm like, man, what if there were got big, like, what if there were like man's man guys here? What if there were like construction workers here that were like sitting in the service and we're singing these like weird things about Jesus. And you've probably heard me make fun of these while I'm preaching, but like, you know, I, I have a, you know, I've been saved since I'm, I was very, very young and filled with the Holy Ghost since I was five years old. And I have a hard time singing a lot of these songs. You know, it's like, I love Jesus very much. Like with all my heart, I've given my whole life to him. You know, he's my master. He's my Lord. But you know, there's just something, I don't know. I just feel weird about like, uh, you know, laying, singing songs about like laying against his chest and like 
lapping water out of his cupped hands is like, dude, I don't, that's weird to me. I don't want to do that. You know, I know he's my provider. I know he's my shepherd. I know, you know, I don't want to like lay my head up against his chest and lap water out of his cupped hands. It's just like, it's weird. It freaks me out. And I don't, you know, if it's weirding me out, then, you know, there's unsaved people in the room. It's probably weirding them out. You know, and I don't mind people being weirded out if it's like the anointing manifesting. You know, somebody's getting touched, somebody's dancing, running, shouting, jumping. You know, somebody's getting healed, and they think that the manifestations of the Holy Ghost are weird. That's one thing. But when you're just like being weird, you know, that's that's why I don't. <laughs> it's funny to me. Like I'll, I'll make this. I'll make this um, as a transition into point number three. But as we're thinking about the fact that. Number two, there are probably unsaved people in the room. The, the, this kind of like clicky weirdness that we've developed to be edgy that like no one else in the world understands what it ends up becoming is a distraction, you know, and, and it's, it's kind of hard to like say it if you've never been around it. But, um, you know, there are things that you would think are like spiritual, you know, but they're not. And the way you can tell they're not is when you when you address it with the people that are doing it. They have a an attitude that's not Christ like. I'll give you another one that's, you know, I, I'm like, you know, I just don't I don't get it. There's always like a person who wants to I, and I've been in so many of these services. There's always like a person who wants to come in with like a golf bag filled with, with like worship flags or dance flags. I'm not talking about if your church has a dance team that comes out and does, you know, dances with flags or whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, there's like a person that comes to church and they have their own personal golf bag or umbrella bag filled with all these, you know, worship prophetic flags that they've made and they're dressed in spandex and they're running around your altar it's always funny to me too. It's like, they're not trying to bring glory to God. It's always, I want to bring attention to myself because, and I've, I've tested this out many times is the moment you tell them, Hey, listen, um, you know, you prancing around the front of the altar space during worship, doing your customized flag war waving dance is a little distracting to other people that are in the sanctuary. So, you know, we're going to ask you to just move it to the back. Do it in the back of the sanctuary. Well, when when that instruction is given to people and they get angry and jam their flags back into their bag and, you know, storm out of the service, that shows you right there that they didn't have the spirit of Christ on the inside of them. They weren't doing it as worship and praise unto God. They were doing it to be seen by men. So, you know, we 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 allow things to go on that really are not spiritual. They're just there because they've been there for a long time, you know, and that we allow them to go on. But really what they become is a distraction. That's number three. The third thing that I uh, would consider a success secret that I wish every worship leader knew is that distractions must be removed. Distractions must be removed. And I'm going to talk to you about several before we go. And that is this. You know, if you've got those kinds of situations where people are doing things that are not sanctioned by the pastor of the church and, and, you know, really, it's really soulish and has nothing to do with what's going on. And they, you know, you could tell anytime they're actually spoken to about it or correct about it, they get a bad attitude. It's not of God. 
So remove the distraction. I can tell you right now, if I was a pastor of a church, I would not have Sister Spandex jumping around my church waving flags in the air. I just wouldn't have it because I've never seen it. Here's why. It's not because I don't love Sister Spandex. It's because I've never, ever, ever in 36 years of my life seen it done in a way that I was like, my God, when she started waving that flag, I felt the anointing come out. I felt the anointing fill the room. She waved that flag and people, their deaf ears came. No, I've never seen it. Never, ever seen it happening. But you know, I'll I'll tell you, it's funny. I have seen people get up and dance in the Holy Ghost and people get healed because of it. I've seen people take off running and deliverance take place. I've seen those manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So I know it can happen. But some of these things that are soulish and goofy, I've never seen the anointing on it. And and again, I'm not talking about your dance team at your church that's work, working on, you know, doing stuff for the, you know, worship performing arts or whatever. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that want to come in and be seen by men. I've never because really at the heart of it it's pride. It's pride. But then let me move on to distractions on the platform. You know, work hard to make sure that all distractions on the platform are removed. See, one of the things we need to understand as worshipers is that we're leading people into worship that are human, you know, and they're not, everybody in your congregation is not the most super spiritual person you've ever met. That's, you know, they're human and they're distracted. I mean, if you need any if you need any proof of that, just look at any church service where the pastor's preaching and he asks the musicians to come back to the platform. Every single person in the building disconnects from what the pastor's preaching and has to watch the entire worship team. You notice everybody just turns their head and they're all watching the worship team go from the chairs or the pews back up to the platform to get back on their instruments and get their microphones again. It's like, have you never seen a worship team get on the platform before? It's like they're at a zoo watching worship teams. It's like that just should show you right there how easily people are distracted. So as we are pushing for excellence, as we are pushing to engage as many people as possible in worship, Work to to remove every distraction possible. You know, it's interesting in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, where when Jacob was really, really wanting an, uh, an encounter with the Lord, the Bible says that they were encamped next to a river. And, and uh, at night, Jacob made up in his mind, I'm going to have an encounter with God. And so what did he do? He sent all of his servants, all of his animals, all of his possessions, and all of his wives and children across the river to camp on the other side. And he stayed behind and began to pray and look for an encounter with God. And that's when God came down and wrestled with Jacob and wrestled all through the night and then touched his hip um, in the, in the morning, in the early hours of the morning. If you want to have an encounter with God, distractions have got to be removed and that's every distraction possible. That's why we talk about excellence because excellence is, is the pursuit of perfection. It's the pursuit of removing error and distraction. And it could be, I mean, there's so many things I could cover here, um, but we've talked about in the past, you know, making your transitions between songs and between segments of the service, not awkward. 
fix that so it's not a distraction. Um, you know, whatever it might be, if you if you don't have, you know, I, how long does some does a church have to do a song before, um, you know, the the media team properly has the song ready for the screens? You know, how long does it take for somebody on the media team to spot? Um, misspelled words on the screens for songs that like snap people out. I was like, that's not how you spell that. You know, that's anything that removes people uh, from their moment of worship needs to be removed. I'll get down to to even the nitty gritty of, you know, wor- worship leaders, you know, look sharp so that like, you know, you're the one people are looking at for the first 30 minutes of a service. Look sharp. I'm not telling you, you know, I know every every culture of every church is different. I'm not telling you to wear a three-piece suit and tie and be starched and, you know, primped and ready. I'm telling you whatever way that your church does their church culture and environment, look sharp. You can, you know, you can look sharp casually as much as you can look sharp formally. Look good. Iron your clothes. You know, it's like uh, this sounds like super practical. I can't tell you how many services I've been in where the worship leader gets up with his guitar to lead the worship. And like, it's like, he's never heard of an iron in his life. Shirts wrinkled, pants are wrinkled. You know, I'm sure if they could be, his shoes would be wrinkled. It's like comb your hair, whatever. You know, I understand everybody's different. You do your hair differently. Like put yourself together. You know, people are looking directly at you as you lead them in worship for the first 30 to 40 minutes or whatever it might be of your service look presentable and you laugh. I'm sure you're laughing, listening to this. Like, you know, it's like, it's like a small segment. I've been to so many places and guys get up and it's like, dude, you look like a bum. Put yourself together, you know, get your worship team, let there be rules on the platform. Cause you know, there's always that one, you know, lady that pushes the limits. That's going to like, get closer and closer to a mini skirt every week until you like set her aside and be like, listen, we don't want to see your knees on the platform. Not to mention the platform's elevated. So there's, you know, guys who are, you know, literally just getting delivered from a spirit of lust who are looking up at you and your skirt is now shorter because he's below you. It's like, you have to actually explain these things to people. It's sad that you do, but you do. There needs to be some sort of order uh, so that distractions are removed, you know, there, there should be some sort of order. Uh, you know, it's like when you got somebody, some dude in, in like basketball shorts and a t-shirt and slides, he's wearing like Nike slide sandals, you know, playing the bass guitar. It might be time to have a discussion with your team about what's expected and what's distracting and, and what can be changed. So, you know, one of the things that made me really think about this, you know, because we don't think about it in the church because we get so soft. We're like, well, you know, we just want everybody to come as they are. So funny how we we do that. You know, I, I understand sinners are coming as they are to Jesus. But, you know, come as you are is not a phrase that should be extended to everything that has to do with God. You know, you couldn't. Even like what we were talking about earlier, the high priests that were going into the most holy place, they couldn't just come as they are. They had to look a certain way. They had to dress a certain way. They had to be ready. You know, you couldn't even come to present your sacrifice however you wanted. You had to, can't come as you are. God has expectations. 
And the same is true today. You know, you don't go to, if you're going to the White House to meet the president, you don't come as you are. If you're going to court to stand before a judge during a case, you don't come as you are. They'll send you out of the courtroom. They'll send you out of the White House. You're not properly prepared to stand and speak to the president of the United States of America. And people say, well, it's church. You know, I'm just going to come as I am. Give your best to God. Give your absolute best to God. Value his presence and he'll value. It's time, you know, to have some of these conversations to remove distractions so that people can get into worship and not be pulled aside by all these little things. Made me think about it one time years ago because I was with my family in New York and I remember we went to uh, to a show on Broadway and I think that was back when Lion King, the Lion King was probably still playing. But uh, one of the things that I thought was was very interesting uh, that snapped my mind back to this was that they had all these amazing effects going and it's, you know, it's people doing it. They have all these, uh, you know, like kind of like puppet animals on these long poles um, that they're waving around under theatrical lighting on the stage. And they're telling this story and they're moving these animals all over the stage. But the people who are moving the animals on the poles are dressed in like a full black body outfit that literally even goes over their head, over their arms. Every part of their body is covered in this black body outfit. Um, The poles are black so that as the theatrical lighting is set, you don't actually see the people. They're blacked out. And the way the lighting is, you don't even see them and you don't see the poles. You only see like these animals that they have painted for theatrical lighting on the ends of the poles moving around the stage. Everything else is blacked out and really not seen. And that made me really think that's so interesting that even on Broadway uh, in a secular environment, they only want you to see what pertains to what they're doing or the purpose of the show or the purpose of the story. And what they're working very hard to do is to remove every other distraction. You know, it's not like they have some dude in high school in his gym shorts and a white champion T-shirt uh, with slides on, you know, out there with, with his hair not combed, you know, throwing those poles around the stage. No, because obviously everybody would be looking at him rather than the story or what they're trying to get across in their purpose. And uh, so they work very hard to remove those distractions. I remember even reading a book about how when Disney World was creating this place that's supposed to be the most magical place on earth, they decided, you know, what does it look, what does a magical place look like? Well, you don't want to see trash everywhere and you don't want to see dumpsters and you don't want to see people taking out the trash all over the place. So they developed an underground system so that in every place, every kiosk and, you know, all the places where they have food and all that. There are elevator systems that actually lower the garbage underground to tunnels and they can drive it out from underground to different uh, places to take out the trash. They actually put thought into that so that you're not distracted from, quote unquote, the most magical place on earth, seeing people do mundane tasks like taking out the trash. So there has to be thought given to how can I remove distractions so that we can engage people in a very supernatural moment of praise and worship. You know, don't give room for the flesh to take over. Don't give room for the soul to take over, but allow that spiritual moment where we're engaging God in praise and worship to be the priority and to make sure that it is emphasized above everything else so that people can benefit from the presence of God 
in those worship moments. I wanted to really get into this because there are so many things that seem like, man, that I should have thought of that. That seems simple, but it's so vital that we do it so that we can engage the people that God's entrusted us with and properly lead them into the power and presence of God without being pulled out by something uh, foolish or something, you know, that that's, you know, easily corrected. So I want to pray, and here's what I want to pray for all of you that are listening today. I'm going back to point number two, where we're talking about the fact that there's probably unsaved people in the room. I want to pray that in 2019, God would give us strategies and that he would give us a heart to start ordering all that we do around reaching the lost. Our purpose should be reaching the lost in these final moments of time. So let me pray for you. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for every man and woman listening to this episode today. I pray that in 2019, you'd give us a great compassion for the lost. I pray in Jesus' name that you would use us like never before to see souls come into the kingdom. I pray in Jesus' name that you would give us ideas and strategies to reach people before it's too late. And Lord, let us be focused on you. Let our services be filled with your power and your anointing and your glory. Empower us to remove distractions and let us do everything in the order that your word commands. And we thank you that we'll see mighty results and benefits from it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let me say this before we go once again, that uh, we have uh, at our upcoming worship summit, we're adding something very new this year. And that is we wanted to take time because we had so many questions about it and so many people who have um, issues in these areas. We're going to add help and tracks and classes in this this year's uh, worship summit for sound teams, sound men, sound techs, tech teams for churches, and lighting teams. And we have a guru who's helping us this year, Minister Reese Jackson, who is, in my opinion, one of the best in the nation um, at doing these things. And so I want to encourage you, those of you that are listening, this is not a conference just for singers, for musicians or choir members. This is a conference where we're going to help you on every aspect of your media, worship, and arts at your church. And so if you've got your tech, media, sound teams, lighting teams, whatever, sign them up with you and bring them. Uh, once again, you can check out all the information at southeastworship.com. And the dates are May the 7th through the 10th, which is a Tuesday through a Friday. And we're going to be doing um, multiple sessions every single day. And you're not going to want to miss it. I love you. Can't wait to see you there. Until next week, don't forget, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. I'll talk to you soon. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com.